It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me, or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up, or we're going to lose everything. We have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. After four long, tense days, we've reached a historic moment in this election. We can now project the winner of the presidential race. CNN projects Joseph R. Biden Jr. is elected the 46th president of the United States, winning the White House and denying President Trump a second term. We're able to make this projection because CNN projects Biden wins Pennsylvania. The former vice president in his third run for the highest office, pulling off a rare defeat of a sitting commander in chief. With this victory, Kamala Harris is set to become the first woman and the first person of color to be the vice president. Again, CNN projects Joe Biden will become the 46th president of the United States. And Jake, he is now president-elect Joe Biden. All right, that's the way it came down uh, that fateful night when the 2020 presidential election was decided. That was CNN's Wolf Blitzer uh, breathlessly reporting that Joe Biden had actually defeated uh, Donald Trump in that election. And of course, in the aftermath, we all remember the night of the election when suddenly all the networks uh, d announced that they'd stopped counting. There was, you know, they, I guess, needed a rest. And so we waited. During the night, we saw that the networks did not call states that we knew were Trump-friendly, and yet they rushed to call other states early. It was just strange. And Fox was the greatest offender. And so for people that uh, trusted Fox for good reporting, uh, they started doing the very same bad things that CNN was had done in the past. And so we were confused and we went to bed. And then uh, the, that night, we, that morning, we realized that, well, we saw that suddenly all kinds of ballots had come in to these various states, especially the so-called swing states in the middle of the morning. And suddenly, Whereas Donald Trump was ahead or maybe only slightly behind, suddenly Joe Biden emerged because all those found ballots in the middle of the night somehow seemed to be for Joe Biden. And so Joe Biden was declared the victor. And people said to themselves, hmm, that doesn't seem right to me. And then states who were already contending with uh, voting irregularities, who had actually begged Mike Pence not to declare those electoral votes uh, that fateful day and uh, on January the 6th, because they were trying to sort some things out in their own states first. But he did not. He insisted he had uh, to accept the, the electoral votes as they were delivered to him. And uh, then uh, all these months ensued, and we were told that any kind of doubt about that night was the big lie. And anyone who believed there was a problem with the election was uh, somehow marginalized. In fact, many people are in jail in Washington, D.C., in the D.C. jail, and they can't get out unless they swear they no longer believe 
that that election was wrongly decided. Something is terribly wrong and rotten about all of this. And one of the, um, shall I say victims, I would say casualties, of, uh, of the, um, the outcry over people who embrace the big lies, our next guest, Cleta Mitchell is a Republican law- lawyer in D.C. with tremendous, a tremendous reputation among conservatives. She's been with the law firm of Foley and La- uh, Lardner for a long time. She was one of the partners, a real powerhouse in every way, and always, uh, you know, there to talk about elections, but many other things as well. Uh, but um, in in that role, you will remember that after President Trump, uh, right before actually uh, the January the sixth, there was this wave of uh, threats to law firms and attorneys to not defend President Trump. We talked about that with John Eastman just last week, and so uh, they scampered. Most of them, they scampered to the corners, and with the exception of a few brave people, and now, now we know. We separated the uh, chaff from the wheat, like John Eastman and my next guest uh, stood to do what was right. And uh, Cleta Mitchell is our guest this morning. Cleta uh, helped President Trump right to the very end and still probably is in contact with him to figure out what happened and to try to sort things out. She has just recently been appointed to the uh, Federal Election Advisory Board, which is really something. She's also just joined the Conservative Partnership Institute uh, as a senior legal fellow, that's the organization that Jim DeMint uh, founded when he left Heritage Foundation in Washington. They're doing great work. She's a senior legal fellow there and in charge of a project known as the Election Integrity Institute. And with that introduction, let me just say good morning, Cleta. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> good morning, Sandy. So great to be with you as always. You know, the thing that I, people need to know, you know, you you did, uh, that was a blow. I know it was. To lose your job, that firm that you'd been such a part of, I'm sure those people were good friends to you. You'd had such a history, lots of cases. Uh, and they really did, uh, they really did a number on you. And to see, um, I'm going to say, because you're a Christian as I am, God uh, sort of, <laughs> what man meant for evil, God meant for good. Because I see you now as having no restraint. <laughs> now they're in trouble because Cleta Mitchell's on the march. <laughs> And it's driving them crazy, let me just say. The collective left heads, leftist heads, exploded when it was announced that I had been named as a member of the advisory board to the to the Election Assistance Commission. I mean, they they literally, it was hilarious to watch. And um, the thing that they kept saying was, we thought we were rid of her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that, that, now that does make me laugh. No, it does. I love it. And so... Uh, so, Cleta, here we are, and you're laughing, and I'm so happy to hear that because there have been some unhappy months. Uh, I think it's amazing that this um, people are refusing to stand down. I, I just got uh, an email from an insider in Wisconsin, and he said we have uh, kind of a, an, immov- an immovable force against a rock, and that is that the politicians are so feckless they don't want to look at this. And you and I both know this. That the leaders in the That's Republican true. Party want to get, let's just get past it. Come on, let's just have a fresh right. start. Just forget uh, that. Just forget but, that. But the people are in the, these various states are not going to let that happen. And so we really do have a battle on our hands. So I guess I, your assessment of where we are with trying to get to the bottom of that 2020 election, where are we now? Well, you know, I can tell you, I, I, I've said for a year, 
um, as, as you may as you mentioned, I, I went. I was in Georgia. I was asked to go to Georgia the day after the election uh, to oversee what was going on in the post-election and try to understand what was happening. When I went, when I arrived in the wee hours of the probably late Wednesday night, the fourth or early uh, in the wee hours of the of the fifth of, of November of 2020, um, I, I'm an election lawyer, and so what I know. The, that you have to do and you have to move quickly is you have to determine were the procedures followed, were the election laws followed, was the election conducted in accordance with the law. And if you're going to allege that it was not, then you must have specific evidence. Well, guess what? We developed that. We, we were volunteers, largely volunteer lawyers and some others who were not lawyers, but who became uh, key people like Jenny Beth Martin of the Tea Party Patriots, uh, who lives in Georgia. And I don't think we ever would have gotten all of the witness affidavits uh, done if she hadn't just taken over and just taken care of getting all the witness affidavits signed. You know, we had witness, we had incident reports we had to turn into uh, sworn affidavits. And what we had, we ultimately filed a 64-page complaint at an election contest pursuant to Georgia law uh, with over 1,000 pages of sworn affidavits of backed witnesses and expert witnesses who had reviewed publicly available government documents and who said there are more illegal votes included in the final certified tally uh, than the margin of victory between President Trump and Joe Biden. I want to say that again. There are more illegal votes included in the certified vote total for, uh, of Georgia than the margin of, of victory between President Trump and Joe Biden. And, and under Georgia law, and actually under the laws of every state, if you can establish those facts, then the remedy is a new election. Well, there was going to be another election in Georgia on January the 5th which was the Senate runoff. So, but we never got a judge appointed to hear the case. We never got our day in court. So we, we worked really hard. We had found over 30 categories of illegal votes, votes that were cast by people who were, uh, had, I mean, gosh, 30 categories, people who voted whose residence turns out to have been a post office box or a uh, commercial uh, address or a vacant lot or who had moved out of state and had registered to vote in another state, which meant that their residency in the state of Georgia was canceled. They were no longer eligible to vote in Georgia. And over 40,000 people who had moved to another county but did not re-register, uh, and they had moved more than 30 days before the election, the law says you have to re-register. You can't just go back and vote in your former address and where you no longer live if you moved away uh, more than 30 days ago. There were more than 40,000 of those. So... There were dead people who voted. Not a lot, but some. There were felons who voted. There were people who voted in two states. I mean, we identified all of this, and that was all in uh, the lawsuit. And the press always says, well, Trump lost all these lawsuits. Well, he didn't lose our lawsuit because we never got a judge to hear the case. The case was never uh, – we never had the opportunity to present the evidence in court. We filed it, but then obviously you have to defend it in court and all But so I just know that that is a true statement that in Georgia, we know there are more illegal votes than the margin of victory. Since we've seen the results of the Arizona audit, I can tell you that after reviewing the documents from the Arizona audit, and they're still looking at some additional materials. They haven't completely finished that review in Arizona. The media all says, oh, well, the, their recount showed that um, 
Biden got more votes than uh, than he originally thought to received. Well, that's one that's one area of what they looked at. And in the hand manual recount of the paper ballots, that's what it showed. What that report also showed, which the media never talks about, are the facts that there are in Arizona when you vote by mail and they do a lot of voting by mail in Arizona. And this has been an issue going back more than a decade. Um, you're supposed to sign the back of your envelope carrying your ballot. If there's no signature, it's not even supposed to be opened. You're not allowed. That ballot is not a legal ballot. If you don't, if your signature doesn't match the signature on file, you are also not to be, that ballot is not a legal ballot. And there were more of those. There were thousands of ballots that had no signature. There were ballots uh, the envelopes just had a straight line. There were, uh, you know, it's just there are more illegal ballots than there are uh, than the margin of victory in Arizona. And just last week in Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, uh, it conducted a 10 month report. And now they they make these people make unfortunate mistakes in um, how they present their information. So the Arizona audit led with, or certainly the the media led with, that one fact about the paper ballot recount. And the Wisconsin report, same thing. They said, well, we did not find any evidence of actual voter fraud. Well, let me tell you something. That is a really, there's no way that they would have. But they also said, they went through the categories of uh, what the law requires in Wisconsin, and they said in their report, there are more illegal votes than the margin of difference between President Trump and Joe Biden. So that's three states. Wow. That's three wow. states that oh. we know. Cleta, hold on just a second because we need to take a break. Um, and so, yeah, three states, which, of course, the next question is, what in the world does that mean to us now? And I'll ask you that on the other side of the break because people will ask okay. it. And there's also more information about other states. As you know, Pennsylvania, there's stuff in uh, all kinds of states that are that are still going on. This has not been settled. But what does it mean that it hasn't been settled? And I want to ask you that when we return. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. So I don't think that they were serious about addressing COVID at all. It was all about getting out the vote from the inception. I think um, there's been analysis done. I think it was by Foundation for Government Accountability and National Organization that about one percent of the spending was for you know COVID-related things. And so I, I think on the public health matter. Um, you know, you, you really have to, like, okay, you know, you, you have to make all these assumptions uh, to, to get anywhere. And, and I don't think that's really what this is about. I, I think that everyone knows it was a pretext. Well, a pretext, he's saying. That, that was a, one of the people that testified uh, in the Wisconsin hearing last week. They found amazing things. They found, I think, for one thing, that uh, thousands of people had been uh, registered by by the same name for like 150 years to vote. 
I mean, that's just one little category. And so my guess is Cleta Mitchell. Uh, she's with Conservative Partnership Institute. She's a senior legal fellow there, also with the Federal Election Advisory Board, and on and on we could go. Uh, but we're talking about uh, all things election 2020, uh, that big lie. We're talking about the big lie. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. The names they use, Cleta, sound so so communistic even. The big lie. Right. Like big brother or what? I don't know. <laughs> So we're here to talk about what's really true, and you've just told us that in three states, at least so far in our discussion, Arizona, Wisconsin, and Georgia, uh, they found enough vote discrepancies that would have changed, would flip the results of the 2020 election. And before we get into well, more details... Now, Sandy, let, now Sandy let, me, let me say one thing about that. Okay. We don't know how those people voted. Because oh, they, I see. But what we know is that they're illegal votes. And when that happens, the court is mandated by law to order a new election. Uh, now, there have been cases where a court has said that uh, a, a, a candidate who does not participate in a fraudulent activity should not be subjected to a, another election. But that's only where you know of overt uh, fraudulent schemes. And it, those are very hard to establish, certainly not in the uh, truncated time period that you have after an election. But if you can show that there are more illegal votes than there are uh, than the margin, then you have no choice unless you can show who those votes were cast for. But you usually can't. But they should have all had new elections. And Georgia was getting ready to have one. So and people may say I'm crazy, but that is the way the law works. That is the way the law works. But in this case, the judiciary, state and federal completely abdicated its responsibility as the referee for election disputes. So they did not rep, they didn't hear, they basically uh, just said, we're not going to hear any of this. We're just going to close our eyes and act like everything was fine. Yeah. Well, so, and, and you, and you earlier, when you were talking about Georgia, you said you never found a judge to hear that case. Does that mean that that case right. can still be heard? Are you still trying to get no. a hearing for it? No. No, because we had to dismiss the case. Interestingly enough, that's what I was doing on January the sixth. Because once the electors were certified, um, our case was moot because they certified the electors for, for Joe Biden. So there was no way you know, the the case, our case was then rendered moot yeah. uh, because the election certificate was issued and the electors were certified. And so then there's no further remedy. There's no further legal remedy. You know, what, at least as far as the election contest is concerned, um, it should never have been certified. It should have been overturned. We should have had a trial. And the reason we didn't have a judge appointed is because the chief judge of Fulton County, Chris Brasher, Brasher uh, is the chief judge of Fulton County. And under the law, he's the, when you file a case in uh, an election contest in uh, a certain county, the chief judge of that county is supposed to name a judge from another county to hear the case, and he just never did that. Well, he did do that. We were notified of it on the 4th of January. <laughs> we had one month after the case was filed. He entered it, you know, I think New Year's Eve, and we got notice of it, uh, you know, four days later. And so, so you know, so it's, it's, it, there was no way to adjudicate it. All right, so people like Newt Gingrich, even, um, Mitch McConnell, <clears throat> others would say, listen, that's over. You can't do anything about it. You know, you just described there's nothing to be done about it. So why all of this work to try to sort this out in the various states when it doesn't make any difference? 
Well, I will tell you that um, after the 2000 election, you'll remember, those of us old enough to remember when George W. Bush was uh, elected president and how the left and the Democrats never accepted that that was a valid election. And there were reporters from the New York Times and other media outlets that went to Florida after the election because they wanted to go back through and and for and see for themselves. And it took many months to get access to all the records and everything and then discovered that, in fact, Bush had won. That's one state. but And because it was a Republican who won, then the media and the Democrats wanted to go and see if that if that really had happened, because they always said that, um, you know, the only reason Bush was uh, elected was because of Bush v. Gore and the Supreme Court of the United States intervened, blah, blah, blah. Bumper stickers all over in 2004, re-defeat Bush. So that little history should remind us all that they haven't exactly been good soldiers in accepting the outcome of the election. But what I think is important here is because they have, because the left and the media has been so intent upon punishing those of us who think there were problems with the election, that I think we have to document for posterity. We have, for all time, we have to say, here's the truth. And eventually in time, if we make the record, then we will have done everything we can do. You know, some people get mad at me and say, well, we can decertify the election. I don't know of a, of a legal process to do that, but I am going to continue to do two things as long as I have breath in me and as long as God allows me to do this. I want to document the truth about 2020 and what really happened in those states. I think that's really important. And then I want to get people to understand the way those things happened is because we as citizens have not been involved inside the election offices, working at working as uh, going to the local board meetings, election board meetings, following what they're doing, serving as election workers, being poll watchers, and just watching them with eagle eyes, watching the election inside with eagle eyes, because guess what's happened for 10 years or more? The left has been funding entities that have insinuated themselves and infiltrated every election office in this country. And that's what we have to do something about. Or we'll and never I guess, win other elections. And I'm sure you would say Virginia, the recent uh, governor's election in Virginia, is an example of what happens when conservatives really get involved. That's right. It's a, absolutely true. And I've been very involved in that in 2021 because I considered that to be a beta site for what I think needs to happen all over the country in 2022 and beyond. And, you know, historically, the RNC and the politicians, but they have paid no attention to this. I mean, I, I, I've been doing election law for many years. And one of the things that I have been frustrated about in many states, it's not just one place, it's everywhere. Most states require that you have equal, an equal number of Democrat and Republican election officials, whether it's the people at the precincts um, or the people on the election boards or whatever. And I promise you, every state where I have been involved, I have seen this happen where they appoint Democrats to fill the Republican slots because they say, we don't, we can't get any Republican. We can't get enough Republicans in Detroit in 2020, for instance, uh, they calculated that there are over, I think just over 5,000 slots for election judges and officials and all. Would you like to know how many Republicans 
there were that this the state the state law requires it to be equal. So you should should have about twenty five hundred Republicans filling the Republican slot. You know how many there were? Uh, no, I 174, don't. One hundred and seventy four. One hundred and seventy four. <laughs> and in and at least in Michigan, uh, people can in another part of the state, another county can come over and be an election official in Detroit. In Pennsylvania, that's not the case, and so it's very hard to fill the Republican slots because you have to live in Philadelphia, and there are not that many Republicans in Philadelphia, but you have to start early, and you have to really work at it and keep it going. But look, I mean, there's so much to do, and let me tell you about Virginia. These citizens groups just sort of sprung up in different places across the state, and then the Virginia Institute for Public Policy said, well, we'll be the catalyst and we'll host a weekly, we'll form a coalition of all these different groups, some related to the party, some not, uh, and we'll do a weekly phone call. And they did that starting, I want to say, June or so. And they started going around and hosting uh, events where they would have people come in and be trained as to how to be an election worker. What's the election law say? training people how to be an election worker, how to be a poll watcher. And they had literally trained uh, many dozens, uh, hundreds of people. Until, and then late in August, the RNC, the Republican National Committee, came in because under Virginia law, which is the law in many states, in order to be appointed or authorized to be an election official or a poll watcher, you have to be nominated or authorized by the political party or a candidate. And so the Republican Party came in and they paid for um, the, the people to basically schedule everybody, all the, all the volunteers, which was a, a monumental task. Um, but th- these local election integrity task forces are still working. You know, I'm working with a group in Fairfax County now on some issues related to the interplay between the U.S. Postal Service and the left-wing groups and um, and the, all the absentee uh, balloting. So there is a lot to do, but the fact that there were so many hundreds and hundreds, ultimately thousands, of, um, of slots filled by conservative patriot citizens, um, they saw things, and they got things stopped, and they got things changed just because they were there. And that's what I'm, that is my message. We cannot hope to change the outcome of the elections and, and stop this kind of, uh, in a lot of cases, it's, in a lot of cases, it's just incompetence. But then in a lot of cases, it is the fact that the left has focused like a laser beam on the election process and the election offices, and they have got people and vendors and entities and products that they have put together that are part of the election office in virtually every every place in America. It's you know shocking, really, actually. It, it, well, it is. And, and you know, but you know what? It's also shocking to me. I have to say, Cleta, I, I was a skeptic about whether Virginia could actually take back their state. Uh, because you know, you and I both know that Northern Virginia is, you know, it's it's a, it's a suburb of Washington D.C. and there's so many people there. It, this is the the toughest. This is the toughest area because you've got uh, the. Um, I'm sorry, I can't think of a nice word. <laughs> the word cockroaches comes to my mind of them all gathering together in one place. 
And uh, so they're there. And, and all of the powers of federal government and the attentions of federal workers, you know, that's what you're fighting. And so I really did not expect, no matter what you did, for you to be able to pull that off. And if you can do that in Virginia, then surely it could be done in other states, too. So are you saying that other states are in process doing that right now or not? That is what I'm working on. That is my this election integrity network that the Conservative Partnership Institute has uh, asked me to put together is doing exactly that. I have published and be happy to send it to you so you can post it. Uh, it's posted on um, our website, the Who's Counting, W-H-O-S, counting.us. It's a citizen's guide to building a local election integrity task force, a permanent infrastructure. And it ha- it's a how-to. How can you do this? What are you looking for? What are the things that uh, need to be done? In every, in every jurisdiction in America. And um, there is a lot of work to do, but we are tr- there are people who are um, working on different projects. I want to make sure that, that the frustration and the concern um, that arose from 2020 is channeled into productive, long-lasting uh, activities and impact because we cannot let the left control our election offices and that's what they've done. They turned, our, I mean, all these left-wing entities. It's hard to describe if you haven't really been involved in, um, in following the money on the left. Uh, and sometimes I say, why do I do this? Because it's so discouraging. And I think, yes, okay, God, I know. I want me to get discouraged, but it's so discouraging sometimes. But the number of products and, and entities... Uh, that they've created. There's a, a one of the eBay billionaires, uh, Pierre Omidyar. I think I'm pronouncing his name properly, um, but he's probably invested tens of millions of his own dollars into creating these left-wing election-related entities. Um, they have, they get that if um, if they can control the levers of the election, and it's not fraud. That's the thing. It's not paying, it's not buying votes the way, you know, it's not, in some places it may be, but that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about manipulating the election system and the election offices to uh, obtain a desired result. Yes, and they've done it so effectively. You know, I think Scott Walter is probably the best one at tracking that. We've, you know, he's talked about all these complicated, the Arabella how they all these networks they've learned to use the system there's no question about it and simply put it reminds me of that whole new process of taking over countries rather than doing it through violent revolution but doing it through the democratic process get elected and then start to take power and that's what happened in venezuela it's happening across the globe and that's exactly what's happening in our country right now so uh, take a pencil and write down who's counting dot us Who's Counting.us, Citizens, and the Citizens Guide is on there. Um, Cleta is going to be with us a few minutes more. I want to talk about what's happening with the the Zuckerberg situation and Facebook and other election-related stories. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. This is Jim Savage and James Allen discussing getting rid of the pads and second scanners. 
adds in the second scanner. We got to talk about it now. Why? In case you couldn't quite catch that, that was Jim Savage and James Allen, and they're saying they're, they're this is captured by an undercover whistleblower who was also in that room. Uh, one says, we can't talk about it anymore, and then the other says, why? And then the other says, it's a felony. So that's Delaware, Pennsylvania, and that's just one of many uh, videos that were taken by Regina Miller. Uh, she was working as a contract employee for that county. Uh, there's a lawsuit going on, and there is, it's not just those two gentlemen that you just heard. There are others. She captured one between Delaware County election, election official James Ziegelhofer and Delaware County lawyer Tom Gallagher. Uh, they're flipping through a box marked November 2020 return sheets uh, with the individual identified as Gallagher saying, when we Xerox these return sheets, there are notes on these return sheets, and we are going to have to cover them over with paper. Somebody wrote on there, this is an outrageous example. Uh, and um, they go on to show that the notes actually are notes, which I don't have time to read to you, but there are discrepancies, and they're talking about the difference in the ballots and that there's something's not right here. So they said they had to cover that part up. And then they start destroying tapes, and Regina catches them saying, um, why don't, I don't understand, why, why are the tapes being thrown away? And this uh, Ziegelhofer says, no, no tapes were. Then Miller cuts him off and says, no, you guys have been throwing tapes away. So what tapes are you throwing away? Like, why? And then there's another exchange, and Miller reminds him, you have to save it for 22 months. That's the person doing the taping. Ziegelhofer acknowledges it. Yes, there are tapes that are being tossed. They, they are of no audit value, but of course that's not true. I'm just trying to give you an example of some of the nefarious behavior that took place in 2020, and that is in Pennsylvania. My guest is Cleta Mitchell. Are you familiar with that situation at all, Cleta? I am familiar with the people who've been working on that for a good period of time. Um, the, there's one gentleman who has spent, who's donated quite a lot of money to hiring investigators uh, to, to really uncover different uh, things like that in Pennsylvania. And, um, you know, I mean, the problem is, on the one hand, we have the complete blackout by the, uh, by the left-wing news media. And the other hand, some there are so many of these instances and situations that have come that come out, and that sometimes I think that it just it's like trying to look at a pointless painting, you know, one inch away, and you can't see the whole picture. And we don't know and what what do you do about this? How can you, right, what? Right. Okay, now we have this outrage. What do we do? And I think there's a bit of a an overload, information overload, and fatigue. Yep. So that people kind of tune it out. And I I had a conversation just in the last 24 hours with a gentleman who uh, has been working on looking at uh, real, really drilling down on the Wisconsin voter rolls and finding all kinds of anomalies with, I think you mentioned earlier, <laughs> these people who've been, who have the same voter ID number and have been registered to vote uh, for 150 years. And the voter rolls in this country are a mess, and the left wants to make it worse. They want to make it t where they just totally, where you don't have to register to vote at all. But if you're on a government list of any kind, property taxes, in, you know, income taxes, fishing license, hunting license, whatever, that you uh, would just be on driver's license, just dump all those names in, into the voting database. 
so that, you know, it's, they out of the chaos comes the opportunity for them to uh, conduct mischief. And the, the media wants us not to think that any of that is happening. But we know that that's happening. And this, this Pennsylvania thing that you just, you know, are talking about is, is exactly the same thing that that people have found in Fulton County, Georgia, yeah. where they've uh, had the opportunity to um, look at ballots, uh, images of ballots, look at batches of ballots, and have found it's just a complete mess. Yeah. There's no way that the batch the batch reports that would say for you know 100 votes for uh, Biden, zero for Trump. Well, when you actually open up the, and count the batches. The votes in the batches, well, maybe it was 57 for Biden and the remainder for Trump. But these batches were all processed as though Trump got no votes. And then you have, you're supposed to have 100 ballots in each batch, and they discovered that they don't, that's not necessarily true. Some of the batches have one ballot. And then there are 15, uh, there are 157 batches missing. That's fifteen thousand ball over fifty almost sixteen thousand ballots in Fulton County that they can't account for. They can't account for the routers that would give the information about whether the machines were hooked up to the internet uh, at any time. I mean, there there's no chain of custody. Um, and, and when they start talking about an investigation, like the videotape in Fulton County that we uh, my our team produced, we we obtained it, produced it, presented it. And uh, I've watched the whole thing from the time of 10 p.m. on election night till uh, that when they ran everybody off, and then they pulled these cases uh, out from under the table and started counting ballots again after they told everybody they were through for the night, and that went on for about an hour and a half. Um, and and the investigation, I've read the investigation report, and you know what the investigation report uh, dealt with? That those were not suitcases; they were uh, official uh, containers. They weren't suitcases. I mean, that's the that's the only takeaway that the U.S. attorney could come up with when the law says that you cannot conduct voting or processing or tabulating ballots unless you have it's open to the public for observation. I mean, there it, it is very uh, disturbing. But here's the thing: we you have that video. Because there was a somebody inside the office who said this isn't right. We have the video because you know that's why I'm saying people have to get involved. They have to be there. They have to be I, part of a task force. No question about that. And I, let me just be practical for a second. Let me repeat, uh, and please get your pencil and write this down. Who's counting? Us. Who's counting? Us. And uh, Cleta's Citizen Guide to the Elections is on that website, but there's other things, too, that you that will be. A, so wherever you are, whatever state you're in, this is something that you can do. And let this be, you know, a lesson to all of us that if we want to take back our country, our only legal way to do this right now is through the ballot box. And uh, I think, uh, you know, just Cleta's work and the work of so many people that are friends, Christian Adams and uh, Hans von Spakowski and Jenny Beth Martin and all so many good patriots, Ken Blackwell, who are working on this. Uh, should And people in the states, I think of people in Wisconsin, I know, in Michigan and uh, Georgia and Arizona, just working, working, working in Pennsylvania, trying to make things right. Uh, let this be an impetus to us uh, to, to do our part to make sure this never happens again. Um, so, Cleta, 
let's talk briefly about Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg. We know that Mark Zuckerberg spent millions of dollars in Georgia and other uh, Arizona, Pennsylvania. I'm not sure where else. Uh, Just a word on that before we go into what Facebook is going to do now. Just give people an idea of what Zuckerberg was doing. Well, uh, in the months in the months leading up to the November 2020 election, and I mean, uh, it's really right before the election, the summer and fall. Uh, the Chan Zuckerberg Foundation, that Chan is his wife, his Chinese wife, uh, foundation, gave grants to uh, election offices in targeted states and targeted counties or cities in those targeted states. The total through, he gave a grant to uh, something called the Center uh, for Tech and Civic Life, which is one of those left-wing groups that has been involved in election uh, offices for uh, several election cycles before 2020. And he uh, gave $400 million to that group, which in turn then made grants to these localities, to these local election systems. And he gave another $50 million to something called the Center for Election Innovation and Research. So a total of $450 million from Mark Zuckerberg and his wife which was spent to turn the election offices into Democrat turnout machines. But, for example, Philadelphia, whose annual election agency budget is $11 million, it received in August of 2020 $12 million, more than double its entire budget, ostensibly for COVID-related activities, What did they do? They hired workers who went door to door in the heavily Democratic districts, collecting ballots, even though ballot harvesting is against the law in Pennsylvania. They uh, created drop boxes to uh, all throughout these uh, key Democratic areas to drive up the Democratic turnout in those targeted precincts. So it was very granular. Um, and th- they did the same thing in uh, Fulton County, Georgia, in the Democratic districts, and uh, and they did the same thing in Arizona and in Michigan and in Pennsylvania uh, and other places in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Wisconsin may be the worst because it got so bad in Green Bay. I mean, they actually hired the grant required. Some of the grants required that they had to hire people from certain approved groups, which, of course, were all these left-wing groups, to come in and beep inside the election offices to the point that the director and the deputy director of the Green Bay, Wisconsin election office both resigned. They said, why do you need us? Because uh, you guys have basically taken it over. There was a hearing in Wisconsin's legislature a week ago where they unveiled or presented information about the extent to which these left-wing groups, again, who had been hired and, and given money through the grant money that came from Mark Zuckerberg to CTCL, to the election office, to left-wing groups, to come in and work in the election offices, getting access to um, the voter database, uh, that other people have to pay $12,500 to buy the state database in Wisconsin. And these people, these left-wing groups and individuals, they had immediate access to it. Um, They just, as I say, when I say they've infiltrated the election offices, 
Yeah. They've infiltrated the election offices. Well, it's, would, it's real. And Zuckerberg pumped pumped all that money in to, to skyrocket the Democrat turnout. And it changed the results of the election. It certainly did. And as a matter of fact, then Facebook just announced, I believe yesterday this came across, maybe this morning I got this, Facebook is rolling out a suite of features aimed at providing users with reliable information ahead of a slate of state-level elections next month. Users based in Colorado, Florida, Iowa, Maine, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Texas, Virginia, and Washington will soon be shown details about how to vote in their upcoming elections. Uh, they're going to display a reminder of when to vote and where to vote. They're going to deploy teams to identify election misinformation. Um, they're going to uh, do multiple fact checks about the falsehoods that are spread about elections. And uh, they, I could go on and on, but I, I don't even need to explain it any further. This is frightening, Cleta. They're, they're, how can, they, so blatantly, frightening. they are so blatantly interfering with free elections. It's, uh, and no one's there well, to stop them. Well, they are. There's, there is no one to stop them. And yeah, their idea of misinformation is are, are if we exchange information about things that we believe in supporting conservative candidates. If we say, you know, people should sign up to be poll watchers, they would probably consider that to be voter suppression. I mean, both, uh, honestly, in the Washington Post and uh, Newsweek both wrote articles about how many thousands of uh, conservatives showed up as poll watchers and election workers uh, during the Virginia election. And they you know, do you think that they were saying this is wonderful civic activity? No, of course not. They're talking about, you know, how we need to stop that, those bad guys. We're the bad guys because we think <laughs> that we should be watching what's going on in the election. Cleta, the thing that strikes me about you is that in spite of all of this, you were so cheerful. <laughs> so I, you and I should talk every day. You could cheer me up, but we keep fighting, don't we? We're just not going to stop. We and they're going to have to live with We yeah, have to. Yeah. All right, I want to get this uh, website one more time. It's whoscounting.us, whoscounting.us, to get uh, Cleta's Citizen's Guide and also valuable information about what's going on. Cleta Mitchell, you're a treasure. And my podcast. Oh, and your my podca- podcast. Is your podcast on there, too? Oh, very good. Yeah, my very podcast. Good. Who's, who's counting? <laughs> okay, okay, very, very good. Okay, Cleta, thanks. It's great to talk to you, and I always, always appreciate so much of your valuable time. So thank you. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.